Years ago, back in Massachusetts, an older parishioner named Louis shared with me some details about his will. Who would get what among his son, daughters, and grandchildren and friends? He also spelled out who would perform which roles at his funeral, a reading here, an usher there. And over the years, he came to me again and again to describe changes. His will, none of my business, except that he talked about it all the time. It was always changing, depending on who in his family was up in the polls, who was in favor, who was out of favor. If his daughter didn't bring the grandchildren over for a visit, his son got a bigger share. If one friend annoyed him, another got a new gift. He could speak for hours about who would inherit his dining room table, a prized family heirloom. Now, Louis wasn't rich, but still, like some kind of mogul, he moved people and objects and money around like chess pieces. And through all his threats and stratagems, his family and friends felt terribly hurt. I wish that Louis could have relaxed and lived in the present a little more, taking things as they came, enjoying his life. I remember him as lovable, if irascible, and as a person who missed so many chances to spread joy when he was still alive. Louis is gone now. And you know what I really wish when I think back on those final years with him? I wish that he had taken some of that money that he talked about so much and had thrown a big party and invited all of his family members and all of his friends, the ones that were in favor, the ones that were out of favor, and, and told them all how much he loved them. He did love them. I wish he'd stopped treating people like chess pieces and had that party a la the prodigal son story. And it, it's sad, isn't it, to see people squander their time on earth hoarding things swayed by the power of things and bickering about things when they could be loving each other instead. And for Louis, it was all about money and that dining room table. And, and today, in the passage we heard just now from Luke, it's about a fellow who approaches Jesus and demands, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Hear that? I want, I want, I want. And Jesus has no interest whatsoever in mediating this family conflict. He says, friend, who set me to be judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus is much more concerned about the fact that 
that greed has come between these two brothers, rupturing their love, rupturing their relationship, wasting their precious time on earth. And so he tells a parable. On the surface, a very innocent one. A farmer enjoys an incredibly abundant harvest and doesn't have enough room to store all that grain. So he tears down his existing barns and builds larger ones instead. Or he decides to anyway. And he says, there I will store all my grain and my goods. This sounds even like a pretty sensible and solid business plan for managing an abundant harvest, ensuring security in the years to come when the harvest may not be so strong. And the farmer says so to himself. He says, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. The farmer thinks he has it all figured out. However, God intervenes, scolding him with these words. You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. He's going to die that night, and all of that storing up of goods, meaningless. Of course, we've all heard this story before, and we know that the obvious message is you can't take it with you. We know that. There's more, though. There's more here. The foolish form farmer, like my sweet parishioner, Louis, misses a whole series of opportunities to make life better in the present. Remember how I wished that Louis had taken at least some of that money and thrown a big party so that he could have told everyone in his life that he loved them? Well, what if this farmer realizing his windfalls harvest, had asked himself, what can I do with this extraordinary abundance? Let me call together my workers and ask them for ideas about how we can manage this bounty. Or let me call together my farmer friends and get their thoughts on the subject. He could have sold the surplus grain and invested in a community-wide irrigation project or that could have benefited everyone, or he could have started a micro-lending program for families to buy grain of their own, or, or start small businesses, or send their children to university. Investments that could have lifted up so many people, enriching lives, maybe even saving lives. But the foolish farmer forgot the same thing we often forget that every good gift comes from heaven, a gift from God. The plentiful harvest, a gift from God. That bounty, God's bounty, our role, stewards of God's gift, not owners. Our own lives, gifts from God. So when abundance comes our way, we need to ask, what does God want me to do with these gifts that God has given me? I'm just, I'm just holding them. 
what does God want me to do with these gifts, including the gift of me, my, my own life? This week, I got a text from a parishioner here at St. James, a very hardworking, talented young woman without a lot of money. And this is what she wrote. Good afternoon, Mother Kate. I am reaching out to inform you that I will pay my pledge today. God blessed me with a work bonus, and with my bonus, I can help the church a lot this week. See how utterly unlike the foolish farmer she is in that text, because she instantly sees her bonus as a gift, her bonus as a gift from God, and starts thinking right a right away about how to share it with others. She's showing the generosity of someone who holds gifts lightly rather than gripping them tightly. Greed, on the other hand, is the desire to hold on tight, to possess more than we need just in case. The farmer is greedy because he misses the chance to leverage the good that he has experienced with others. He has more than enough. And, and by not leveraging it for the good of the larger community, his greed starts to turn into an obsession. And, and we can begin to make a god out of money, out of possessions, out of things, and, and worship the power of things, which makes a very sad religion. Think about your own life experience, maybe even in your own extended family. Disruptions, even feuds over money. Maybe your parents bought a car for one of your siblings, but not the rest. Or maybe they got one for you and not the rest. Maybe they left their home to one sibling and not the others because that one needed it the most. And maybe there are simmering resentments till this day. Instead of feeling angry and indignant, what would it be like to ask about that money or those possessions in your family? How does God want us to feel about these gifts. In the past six weeks, you have been so generous. Or if you haven't, I know you will be soon. In fact, we've seen an unprecedented level of giving here at St. James, an abundance that make, that's making it possible for us to staff up for the first time in many years. And having more staffing means more growth and more good things for you and for the whole community. Your giving will be helping yourself and others. This is an exciting time here at St. James as we come together to give and to grow and at the end of today's parable, God wishes for one more thing. God wishes that we could be rich with God, rich toward God. And to me what this means is that when we feel suddenly 
blessed, suddenly rich in some way, that's God. If our lives, our possessions, all our things are gifts from God, how can we spread these riches? How can we spread this bounty? How can we spread God? Not like the farmer who's wondering how to make this richness last as long as possible for he himself and only him. Instead, how can you, how can I spread the richness of God widely and deeply? That's our goal. Remember last Sunday's St. James Day picnic? I hope you were able to be there. That's how we begin, by throwing a party. We are so blessed. Amen.